KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. I was on the road this weekend, guys, and I was paying very close attention to the gas prices. And this made me want to explode in rage. I passed a gas station where it was listed as 4.15 per gallon on Friday, which is steep. On the way back home, it was up to 4.49. Come on. <laughs> that is a big jump in Come on, what bro. two days? The, the price of gas has gotten completely like completely out of hand. I remember a few years ago in New York City where the guy was running for mayor was talking about the rent prices where he said the rent was too damn high. <laughs> yes. The price of gas is too damn high. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd Circa. I'm Brian Seltzer. And while we're sitting here talking about gas, this is a marijuana Monday, apparently, because we're also going to be talking about pot. Now, the state of New Jersey has already legalized it. But could the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania be next? Well, we'll bring in John McDevitt in studio today to join us to talk about that. But first, we were talking about gas prices. So let's talk about why those gas prices have gone up. It's because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which we're nearly two weeks into this now. And more talks have been scheduled. And Russia announced a ceasefire this morning, but yet they were still hitting Ukrainian cities with rockets after that announcement. This has just all continued to be just a frightening, frightening situation. And over the weekend, local lawmakers joined hundreds across the country on a Zoom call with Ukrainian President Zelensky. And here's how Pennsylvania Rep. Brendan Boyle described that call. The juxtaposition of a regular work Zoom call, but then the person who's on the other end is facing those sorts of circumstances. We are literally speaking to the president of a country who at any moment could lose his own life and his country could fall. It's hard to put into words just the the tragedy that we are facing. That's the bizarre times that we live in, that you would have these international conversations and negotiations over Zoom while a war is going on behind this guy. And he can't give up his location fully because the, the Russians have already made it clear that they are searching for him. And there are people and institutions here in the city of Philadelphia that have been pulling together support for Ukraine. Now, McGillan's old alehouse down in Center City, they donated a portion of their beer sales from this past weekend to UNICEF for their recovery effort. And McGillan's owner, Chris Mullins, had this to say about why they did it. We can't stand on the sideline. We did it for a long time in the Second World War. I hate to see war. I would prefer peace and freedom in Ukraine. But, you know, these folks have a right to defend their homeland. There's another brewery over in Germantown, Attic Brewing, great place. They have a Ukrainian staff member. He's actually their head brewer, and they donated 10% of their proceeds of sales over the weekend to go directly to defense efforts in Ukraine and the Ukrainian military. So just nice to see people in the area trying to help out a horrific and despicable situation. And then there are the volunteers in Jenkintown at the Ukrainian Education and Cultural Center. They've been working nonstop to pack boxes of supplies to ship to Ukraine. Many of the volunteers are Ukrainian themselves, and they talked to Hadas Kuznis a bit about what they're going through and how they're trying to help. My day doesn't start from drinking coffee anymore. It starts from asking if my family and my friends are alive. I come here so that I have something to do so I don't cry at home all the time. My friends, some of them went to fight. They're my age. I'm 19. Packing these diapers is so touching. Like, there's children that are in bomb shelters. They're going to be playing in rubble until everything gets rebuilt. It's going to be a whole different Ukraine from what it was before. It's absolutely heartbreaking to hear that. And I, I just feel like those clips speak the truth that you can't really understand if you aren't Ukrainian, have family there, 
we just can't wrap our heads around what they're going through. We can do little things to help, though. These donations, these fundraisers, we got to do what we can. COVID does seem to be dying down. The mask mandates have gone bye-bye. Today is the today's the first day in New Jersey where schools no longer have the mask mandate. That came to an end today. But people are still dealing with long-term effects from COVID, the long COVID symptoms. And Jefferson Health's researchers are developing a procedure that could treat the long-term loss of smell and taste. That is still the scariest thing for me about COVID is the thought that you're losing a physical sense, a physical ability. Like, put it in perspective. Imagine if you caught some sort of disease and it cost you your sense of touch or your sense of sight. That's what this is when you can't smell or taste anything. Yeah. I've had friends who have gone through this and eating a meal. I love eating so much that the idea of not being able to taste your meal is like, that's, that is kind of terrifying. Now, Antoinette Lee covered this for KYW News Radio. There are a lot of medical terms in the article. Uh, if you understand this and want to read more, kywnewsradio.com, but it involves platelet-rich plasma, which is sometimes called PRP, which has been used before in orthopedics, hair loss, scar revision. So it's not a brand new technology, but this is the first time they're applying it to your sense of smell and taste. Here's hoping that Jefferson Health can uh, pull this together and get something. It's showing good results already. Some of the patients in the trial have seen improvements in just three appointments. So, you know, nothing is for sure yet, but optimistic that it could help. It's also worth noting that you can order a second round of four free at-home COVID tests through the U.S. Postal Service. That's at special.usps.com slash test kits. Plus, remember, just because it's dying down doesn't mean you still, you know, go get vaccinated if you haven't. That'll help you out as well. Help prevent you from getting some of the really dangerous symptoms of COVID-19. Meanwhile, here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, the proverbial grass could be getting just a little bit greener. Now, KYW's John McDevitt will be joining us in studio, and he's going to give us an update on the latest round of talks that have been happening out in Harrisburg in the General Assembly about whether or not the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is ready to legalize pot, just like our friends over in New Jersey. We'll talk about that coming up next. I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. I'm Brian. And the eternal question is to legalize or not to legalize. That's been an ongoing question among Pennsylvania lawmakers for a while now when it comes to marijuana. But maybe, just maybe, the Commonwealth might be finally getting ready to cash in on marijuana. And for more on that, we say hello once again to John McDevitt. John, thank you so much for coming back in studio with us today. Yeah, thanks, guys, for having me. It's always fun. All right, John. So there have been on and off discussions about legalizing marijuana in the General Assembly for years out in Harrisburg. Good morning. I call this hearing of the Senate Law and Justice Committee to order. This is the second hearing to be convened on the topic of legalizing adult use marijuana in Pennsylvania. You recall we heard from law enforcement at our first hearing. So just kind of set this up for us. What happened last week in a new round of hearings out in the Pennsylvania State Senate? Right. So this is the second hearing. They're, they're basically, it's an information-finding, fact-finding mission. 18 states have legalized uh, marijuana. So why go through this blindly is what uh, a lot of the politicians are, are saying. You know, there's a whole bunch of information that they're trying to figure out regarding, you know, a lot of the states have uh, medical marijuana that you can purchase, right? Where will that go? Like, what's, what's the transition? What are, like, DUI laws? How do they apply? And all sorts of, of things that these states have gone through. So, let, you know, let's talk about Pennsylvania uh, and, and in particular the, this uh, hearing. 
So the uh, Senate Law and Justice Committee chair, uh, Republican Mike Reagan, he's planning to introduce legislation and legalize adult use cannabis. There has been a demand from many of my colleagues in both the Senate and the House that any adult use legislation needs to be comprehensive and include best practices from other states. We've gone to great lengths to bring together an extremely knowledgeable and diverse group of individuals with experience in many of those states. We want to fully understand which states are models of success, which ones we should look at for guidance on specific aspects of establishing an adult use cannabis program in Pennsylvania, and which states have failed in one way or another. One of the interesting things was the tax structure. People are saying if the taxes are too high, like they are in California, above 40% versus other states that are below 20%, California, they're seeing that the illegal markets are benefiting. So if you're going to pay a lot of tax on something, why should I pay it legally when you're kind of forcing me to get it illegally because I'm going to save money? That's kind of what they're saying. So certain states are, are making a lot of money for taxing, like with taxing in the billions, you know, per year. And others are basically they're losing it to the illegal markets. Yeah, John, let's stick on the illegal markets for a moment. There was one point in the hearing where Senator Reagan, who we heard from just a few moments ago, he talked about how staggering it was the amount of money that just Pennsylvania is losing to illegal markets. I still am shaking in my boots for the number uh, that was presented to us, $250 million per month going to, and that's 3 to $4 billion per year going to the drug cartels um, in the illicit market currently in Pennsylvania. That is stunning to me. As a former law enforcement officer, to think that that money is going to these individuals who are clearly the worst criminals in history and who are either directly or indirectly responsible for the death of police officers every year. Incredible to me. But even with the illegal markets being a factor, John, it doesn't sound like that would be enough to deter Pennsylvania lawmakers from pushing ahead with figuring out how to legalize marijuana. It sounds like this is more a matter of execution and implementation that they're working through, not whether it's right or wrong. Is that how you read it? Oh, for sure. And 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 they want to get it right, but it comes down to money. Let's face it. I mean, they don't want the money going to the cartels. When the drugs come in, they're actually, if they don't find a market, is what they're saying, is that they can lose all this tax money to the cartels. I mean, I'm talking about in Mexico and in other other places where it has originates from is what the lawmakers were, were, were saying. They're losing all that money. And then they could, that money that they have, that tax money, um, I know in Pennsylvania, they're going to choose to improve policing with this tax money if it goes through, uh, if we join the other 18 states of legalizing cannabis. Interestingly enough, for years, legalizing marijuana had been a bit of a politically fraught thing. But now it appears this is actually one of the few things that's bipartisan out there in Harrisburg. Both parties are behind this. And one of the biggest senators behind this push is surprisingly a Republican. Yeah, yeah, to me, to me too. <laughs> Surprising <laughs> to me too. But it, it just goes to show you that people are becoming educated, and it's it's based on what the other states went through. Those that are succeeding and making a lot of money, tax money, and, and being able to put it into the proper channel of what they want to do. 
infrastructure improvements for Pennsylvania policing, et cetera. So people, I think people realize the money that can be made is what this really comes down to. What other details can you share about where tax revenues could have the biggest impact if they were to legalize marijuana? We mentioned California before, right? Uh, above 40%. Uh, states like Michigan, isn't that where you're from, sir? I, I, I know a little something about the state of Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> now, taxes are much lower in uh, in Michigan. They're below 20%. And uh, I mean, they saw big business last year, about $250 million in tax revenue from $1.3 billion in sales. I mean, $1.3 billion in legal sales. And, and, and then also, you know, there are issues with like procedures, licensing, uh, impacts on existing medical marijuana programs, how to apply DUI laws. All that is being addressed. Now, what are we looking at in terms of a timeline here, I guess, in movement to kind of legalize here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? Right. Well, you know, this is it, it, they're working on the language. Really, I mean, this is uh, something that doesn't really have a timeline, but the the people behind this are basically saying that, you know, this is where it's going to be soon if it happens. But they're gathering information at this point. As I mentioned earlier, New Jersey voted to legalize marijuana. Yeah. And a few weeks back, we had Mike Doherty on to talk about how the rollout in New Jersey basically hasn't rolled out at all. It has just been stuck in neutral this whole time. Right. When you look at what's going on over in New Jersey... What are your thoughts on how long it's taken for this to kind of get moving out there? Yeah. So tax structure, procedures, you know, who has the right to, to, to operate, to sell? And is it fair? You know, I think that's all being weighed out. And I guess the regulatory committee is just not ready to, you know, give the green light for that. Well, it sounds like they are taking extra care to make sure that the rollout is equitable because a lot of other states have seen issues with People of color and the people who, you know, may have been in the illegal markets before still not getting the opportunities to really capitalize on the legality of it. You're seeing white people come in and make big businesses out of this. So New Jersey is trying to not have that happen. Is Pennsylvania, are Pennsylvania lawmakers kind of watching that and making sure, you know, they're going to follow Follow what New Jersey is doing right, but also not what they're doing wrong in terms of how long it's taking. Yeah. So so Senator Sharif Street, he he's watching that very closely. One thing he brought up in this hearing was the fact that, you know, he his uh, area is uh, in North Philadelphia, Temple University. And he kind of talked about the stigma of uh, uh, folks that live in that area versus those that are going to school in that area. Some of these kids who are fig- who are being asked to how they can score some weed over and over and over again by the 40,000 college kids that we're happy to have join us in North Philadelphia, most of whom come from better, more affluent neighborhoods than we have, are not all uh, terrible people. But I, yeah, I want the kid who's been asked 100 times how he can score some illegal weed. I like him to be able to have an opportunity to work in a dispensary. He wants to make sure that if this were to be put into play, that everyone would have the uh, option to, to, to maybe pursue a career in this uh, very, very lucrative market uh, that could be in Pennsylvania at some point. 
Guys, there was one part of the hearing that stood out to me also. This guy, Trent Wolovic, from a company called Juicy, which has been involved with the legalized sale of marijuana in different parts of the United States. He was talking about how Pennsylvania, it's not like the state would be going into this totally blind because they have had this medical marijuana dispensary program for some time now. And that's kind of given the state a sense of how to execute something like this. The successful medical program demonstrates... Pennsylvania has the foundation upon which to launch a regulated adult use program. It proves that legal regulated structure works, that permit holders can cultivate, process, package, transport, and sell cannabis products to only a specific group of people without product diversion, leakage, or theft-related losses. In short, Pennsylvania medical cannabis permit holders put quality and safety-tested products first and foremost. It's still kind of amazing when I think about how when we were younger, we would have never imagined that we would see this sort of thing. Well, also, too, like, you know, like how you go, like, I've been, like, inundated by smoke on, on uh, you know, walking down the street. At, at, at even, is it medical marijuana? Is it <laughs> illegal marijuana? And, you know, and people just don't seem to, it's, it's just a fact of life at this point. It doesn't seem to bother people as much as it used to. Can I tell you, can I tell you an embarrassing story? Go, please, that's why we're here. If Go you're for it. willing to share it. So uh, when I was younger, <clears throat> no, uh, I, <laughs> I always thought it was actually marijuana that I would smell. But I, I really thought somebody ran over a skunk. Like, I really, I mean, am I the only one? No, well, I don't know if this speaks to generational thing. But like, really, I, I was feeling bad because I like animals, you know, and I was looking for the carcass of a skunk. Yeah. My, my mom loves to tell the story of when I first started college and she came to visit me in my dorm room walking around the dorm and she smelled what she thought was a skunk and was kind of like, how did, did a skunk get into your dorm? And it was like, no, no, mom, that's not a skunk. <laughs> and eventually she learned. <laughs> the funny thing is the first time my dad, well, see, my dad was a cop for years, so he knew immediately what it was. And my mom was more kind of like your mom, Sabrina, was like, well, it sounds like a skunk. And of course, my dad being my dad, it was a skunk. All right. <laughs> Just wasn't, wasn't, the, wasn't the skunk with the white tail. That's the only difference. John, thank you so much for coming in here and bringing us this story, because this is something that. I mean, we're having fun with it, but this is big business and serious business here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. That's what it comes down to. It's all about money. Yeah, it's all about the money. And John McDevitt is always money when he joins us here on the podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at JM1060. And of course, you can check out this story and all his other great work on KYWnewsradio.com. That's it for this Monday. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa. I'm Brian Seltzer. And we thank you so much for checking out this Monday edition of the podcast. We'll see you again on Tuesday.